Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Dan Heitzusen about how one mission agency is reinventing itself to fuel movements of multiplying disciples and churches. Or I guess it was 96, 98, uh, David Garrison came out with a booklet called Church Planting Movements. And prior to that, as a ministry with E3 Partners, we were praying, we were seeking the Lord. We realized that the ministry we had was not going to have the impact we were trusting God for with the current strategy we were deploying. And so we were using short-term missions to plant churches. We were hoping to double our staff every year and double our impact. We were seeing uh, incredible results in terms of helping nationals plant churches using short-term mission teams. We'd see, you know, four or five, 10 churches started on a, you know, week to 10 day trip. Incredible amount of evangelism, man hours and evangelism, a lot of things happening. Uh, and we were seeing as an organization with, I don't know, maybe 50 staff, uh, three or four, 500 churches started a year, which is, you know, is not bad. Mm. Uh, but we were passionate about seeing the world one for Christ, seeing the Great Commission fulfilled in our lifetime. Our founder, a guy named Mike Downey, had this just passion. He wanted to see the world, fulfill, you know, one for Christ in this generation. So as we began to to pray and seek the Lord together as a leadership team, uh, we began to say, we need to plant churches that plant churches. Now, we didn't know how to do that. And we we had some folks that were theologians on our team that had studied multiplication. And, and so we were trying to go back to Acts and take a look at the way the Apostle Paul did it. And about that same time is when Garrison came out with his church planting movement booklet. Okay. And yeah, and then I held, held a retreat for our leadership team, and uh, and it was kind of one of those retreats where we looked at the good, the bad, and the ugly of our organization. And one of the men that was a uh, very uh, successful businessman looked at our what we were saying. We were going to fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime. He looked at the trajectory of our statistics on what has happened and where we were going, and he said, you need to quit saying what you're saying or quit doing what you're doing, but what you have doesn't have integrity. Mm. And that just blew our founder away. He didn't realize that we weren't going to get there with our current uh, ministry. And again, some pretty significant things happened with that. And we began to say, okay, Lord, we want to plant multiplying churches. And so we, we had some folks come and speak to us, a uh, man that, that wrote the book Acts 29 uh, Bruce Carlton on his work in Cambodia, and that was very helpful in shaping us and where we're going. We read uh, Garrison's Church Planting Movement uh, uh, booklet. We began to change our rhetoric. We began to change what we were doing. We began to see some multiplication take place. In fact, we began to train more nationals. And so we went, I think that year, uh, year 2004, we had, we had uh, trained uh, 486, or we planted 486 churches. And by switching to training more nationals, we saw 2,221 churches planted that very next year. 
And so all of a sudden, the combination of short-term missions and training was significant. And the training was great, but it was still addition. It was mother churches planting daughter churches, but weren't really getting to the next church that got planted, the next church that got planted. Mm. And so we thought we were doing good. We were on the right track. We're seeing a little bit, uh, pretty significant jump, maybe 400% jump uh, over time of our church planting. And it just kept growing. And then we uh, did a big project in India and saw that jump to about 15,000 churches a year. So pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, Raised some money, but it was still just doing addition faster, if you will. More addition, great work, but not really getting to multiplication. And by multiplication, you mean multiple. generation um, will we'll get this thing moving. That's exactly right. And so by God's grace, as we were working on church planting movements, and uh, I had gotten to know uh, Dr. Curtis Sargent, who uh, was kind of a consultant, a helpful friend. We were connecting on different things. And I was sitting in my conference room with a group of Indian leaders, and I could not explain church planting movements well enough. And so I called Curtis and he took my call and I put him on speakerphone and I had him share about church planting movements and the importance of that to these Indian brothers. And then he asked me to take him off of speakerphone. And he asked me if, if we might have a job for him. Now, I was blown away because Curtis was this amazing church planting movement guy. He had seen a movement in China that had taken off. He'd gotten his doctorate in church planting movements. He had been the head of the uh, vice president of, of the Southern Baptist work and the International Mission Board over all the missionaries and strategy. He had helped uh, Rick Warren with the peace plan, developing all that. And so we were only about, you know, a 500 person ministry at the time. And I'm thinking, why would Curtis want a job with us. And here was the really cool part. The night before, he had a dream. And in his dream, he was he was to call me. No, I was to call him and no, he was to call me in the dream. And it had something to do with with moving to join E3 or moving to join our organization. It, mm. I forget all the specifics yeah. of the dream. But he told his wife about the dream before I actually called him, which was different than what the dream was. And she goes, we're moving, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I, th- I think we are. So the dream was profound enough that he knew it was, was something special. And he barely remembered my, the, he didn't even remember the name of our organization I worked with. He just remembered my name. And uh, we were more acquaintances than friends at that time. Mm. And, uh, and I said, of course, Curtis, we would have a place for you. And he, it turned out when I called him, he was in Dallas a mile from our offices. So I set up a meeting with our president and a couple of our vice presidents. And uh, next thing you know, Curtis left a six-figure income job, raised his support, and moved to Dallas, Texas to join our team. And that was just profound. 
Okay. And what impact did that shift have on on E3 and its pursuit of multiplication movements? Well, having a mentor. So if you had asked me, how could you plant more churches using short-term missions? You know, most of the time I could answer your question. If you were to ask me uh, how to do movements that multiplied movements or multiplied disciples, 50% of the time I might be able to answer your question. It's almost flipping mm-hmm. a coin. And uh, But to have someone come along and, and just kind of mentor us to uh, work through the theological challenges. Most of our staff, uh, our leadership team had gone to a particular seminary that had a certain view on things. And uh, so just getting the theology right behind uh, multiplying movements and, you know, really going back to the word of God and, and struggling through the word with some of our key leaders was a big part of what Curtis did. And then tactically, we, uh, he and I went to uh, India together and he went on one of our E3 short-term mission trips, and we began to brainstorm together, and we wrote something out on a napkin. And I said, well, Curtis, let's just uh, go train some folks. And uh, with that you know, strategy on the napkin, and so we trained some people, and uh, they went out, and one of them went out and did exactly what we trained them to do, and we began to see the beginning of, of a movement. Uh, one of the things we had to do was simplify our work, simplify our training. Uh, you know, we, we got, is it, is it multiplying? Is it, is it uh, simple enough? Is it transferable enough? And we began to uh, look at change dynamics. So one of the things for me is, as a visionary is if, if you can't help people connect with change, you're not going to go very far. Uh, you might be able to go in a direction, but if you want people to go with you, you've got to learn about how people think, how they process. And so we went through a series of, uh, you'll love this. I, I didn't show this to you, but we had a Mac PC, Mac PC commercials. And so, you know how like you had the PC guy and the Mac guy and the Mac guy was really cool. The PC guy was a big nerd. Uh, well, we had the church planning movement guy was a cool guy and the and the, the saturation church planting uh, old E3 guy was the nerdy guy. And you kind of had this old guard and the new guard uh, sharing. And we had these little commercials and there were three minutes each and uh, that went and described. And eventually the old guard learned from the new guy. And it was a powerful combination. It was just a, a humorous way to get people's attention at a conference that we had. And then we worked through um, you know, uh, getting a, a champion. So we began to see someone that was beginning to get fruit and we started to, to, to champion them. And we took their video because they were doubting Thomas's. Uh, they basically, this was uh, Mike and Mary are their names. And they were people that were just your steady Eddie, very prayerful people, people under authority. And so they said, you know what, if, uh, E3 asked us to do this, which we should at least try, but we don't think this is going to work, but we're going to try it anyway. And uh, they went to India and uh, worked with a key national there. And that movement is, is in the tens of thousands of churches now that have been started in that movement. And so they were kind of our first, you know, adopters, early adopters, not your normal early adopters, because normal early adopters tend to be entrepreneurial people. 
these were just people under authority. Uh, they just uh, said, you know what, I'm just going to do what the, you know, folks tell me to do. And because uh, I'm under authority and, and, and God really blessed it in a remarkable way, Steve. That did was we had them share their testimony uh, that they were doubting Thomas's and that they didn't believe this would work. And then all of a sudden God shows up and just uh, uh, blows all their circuits. And by the way, the national they worked with didn't believe it would work either. And uh, but God showed up in a big way and uh, blessed the work. And within three years, they went from, uh, uh, you know, a handful of churches. This particular national had planted 12 churches over 12 years. And in three years, he was a little over 900 churches that mm-hmm. had been started through this movement uh, strategy. And so uh, we did this conference. And essentially, I just said to everyone, uh, and we designed the conference to be very, very simple. And uh, we want you to do two things. Uh, we want you to uh, start one church locally uh, and five churches internationally that have this multiplying DNA. And we want you to, to, instead of doing simple follow-up methods we've done in the past, we want you to use a discovery Bible study method uh, as your primary follow-up and work it around the person of peace and, and go out and do that and use that as your two tactics. And so the path, we basically the uh, emotions, if you will. So I, I mentioned to you before, Steve, I read this book called The Heart of Change, and, you know, people, uh, they described an elephant, and an elephant is someone's emotions. Someone who's riding the elephant is their intellect, their their logic, and then there's the path you're trying to get the elephant to go down. And so uh, what they described was you want to motivate the emotions of someone. So we did that with humor. We did that with a variety of methods. We did that with the testimonies. And then we uh, certainly had the logic, which was the strategy, the impact, the things that happen, how you do it, how others have done it throughout all these different years. And then we had um, uh, the two steps, the first two steps, we just kind of ordered, just do these two things, Uh, do it this way, very simply, and walk down this path. And so we began to see some staff who actually followed through and did that. And we started to see some beginnings of movements in different parts of the world. Yeah, it was the two steps were to simplify things and uh, and just get people get some movement going, you know, to, to start moving in the direction. Mm. Because people tend to, the easiest thing to do is do what you've always been doing. So if you can just get them to do a couple of things that are different and they can test the waters and try those things and all of a sudden they test the waters and they work mm-hmm. uh that, that you, you know you're building some momentum and then they come back and they want a little bit more so you know the next step in the path was as soon as you lead someone to christ train them immediately to lead others to christ mm-hmm. and, and again that that starts the multiplication right away where disciples are immediately within 30 minutes or a an hour of their birth in Christ, they're leading other people to faith in Christ. Yes, and again, some people followed it and some people didn't, but the ones who did, we put a spotlight on and and uh, God tended to bless those and that really uh, moved. And, uh, uh, and that kind of started our work. I think that was really around 2012, I think. 
And, uh, you know, about, I think it was 2013. So a little bit before 2013, I was praying and, and, uh, and one of my mentors, Carol Davis and I were talking and we were, we'd always as an organization had this passion to, we actually had a goal to plant a million churches uh, 10 years earlier. Well, when you're only planting 500 or 5,000 churches a year, a million churches is a long ways out there. And your, your staff are just going to call you nuts that you're crazy. There's no way they're just going to shake their heads. And, and so the Lord gave me and others faith uh, to trust him to plant a million multiplying churches by the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so God put that on my heart when I began to see this first movement beginning to multiply so rapidly. And so I brought in Paul Eshelman uh, to help me envision our staff with faith. And so Curtis Sargent and our executive team and Carol Davis and others met uh, in our uh, conference room. And by the end of the two days, we signed a document that we were all going to trust God by faith that by the end of 2020, we might see a million multiplying churches in his power for his glory. And what was remarkable about that was that uh, at that point, I think we had only seen maybe, you know, the most churches we'd seen in one year was 20,000, uh, not little 19,000 churches planted. Only 19,000. <laughs> I know. But, but when you're thinking of a million, yeah. uh, you know, that's a lot. And, and, uh, and to trust God by faith. But we began to see if, if these multi- began to multiply and they would continue to multiply. And if we could focus on the multiplying fruit, God could do that. Mm. And so we, we actually created uh, computer simulation games where you know people competed with each other in a church planning Super Bowl. And the ones that focused on mentoring and prayer and some of the key ingredients that we've seen in movements, uh, those would would ultimately win the game. So it went we had quarters and first quarter the people that were focusing on saturation church planting were winning by far. And the second quarter they were still winning by far. But then, then by the third quarter, the people who focused on church planting movement tactics began to catch up. And by the fourth quarter of the game, uh, they were had eclipsed everything that the uh, saturation church planting people had done by focusing on movement tactics. And so we had prizes. Again, we made it fun. We were trying to, mm-hmm. to uh, create a game uh, even, uh, that uh, a competition, if you will, that was simulated to, to make it fun, to help people think about uh, tactics in a different way. And so all going toward this vision of trying to plant a million churches by the end of 2020. Okay. And what happened next? Well, um, uh, God spoke to Curtis Sargent, another dream. And uh, Curtis, uh, God really led him to lower Alabama. And so he led them away to, to lower Alabama and uh, to start a church planting movement training center, an immersion center. He felt like, particularly in America, people have a hard time grasping these concepts without really kind of immersing themselves. And next thing you know, I was back in charge of our field ministry 
And uh, I don't have a doctorate in church planning movements. And I'm going, Lord, what are we going to do? Our, our key guru has just left us. And Carol Davis invited me to a conference that she had hosted for uh, 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 developing church planning movements in uh, Wheaton, Illinois. And you've a lot of people, as you've interviewed them, mm-hmm. uh, look back to that conference that uh, Carol had organized for uh, uh, Greater European Missions in Wheaton, Illinois. And at that conference, I got a chance to hear Steve Smith and Laura Smith share, Ying Kai and Grace uh, share, and uh, had a chance to hear uh, uh, Jeff Sundell share mm. at that conference about what God was doing uh, locally and globally in church planning movements. And, uh, and there was a book that had been written called T for T. And I started looking at that strategy and I thought, you know what, there's a book there's enough people that are going after this. This really looks like a pretty good strategy to me. And so I, there was some other conferences in Denver and Houston and uh, Dallas. And so I, I, th- I think, I don't know if we had one in Dallas, but, and so I got our executive team to go to those other conferences. And eventually we all came to the conclusion that we should uh, move toward uh, T for T or four fields kind of ministry strategy. And I'd gotten Curtis Sarge's blessing on that to kind of go down that road because he was our primary uh, advisor on things. Mm. And uh, in that journey, uh, I began to get to know these guys, Steve and uh, Ying and and uh, Jeff Sundell and, and uh, began to pray, Lord, I sure love to have those guys on our team at E3. And, and so Jeff Sundell had this thing called Dirt Road Ministries, and I said uh, and he had a passion to try to uh, reach the top 50 cities in the U.S., and uh, he had about four or five staff, and I, I kind of knew he was that kind of trainer type. He wasn't an organization person, mm. and, uh, and I said, Jeff, why don't you join our team? If one plus one is, is two or three, then let's just partner, but if it could be 10 or 10x, why don't we work together? And so he prayed and uh, heard very clearly from the Lord at our conference that he was speaking at, E3, E3, E3. He heard it audibly. Wow. And so again, there, there's two junctures in our ministry, right? Here's here's this dream that mm-hmm. God causes Curtis Sargent to have. Yeah. And as we were praying for, for movements, God brings Curtis along through a dream. Mm. Now, as we're working further down the, the path to going toward movements, God brings Jeff Sundell to us. I had a plan mm-hmm. for his life, but until he heard E3 audibly, he wasn't buying it. <laughs> well, so, I, I, I've been saying to Jeff um, for a few years, Jeff, you, you need to be okay, Jeff, but for those who follow you, you, you really need a, a great mission agency to partner with. Yeah. Well, and then Jeff came on our team and, and began to work locally, and we were trying to work locally in the U.S., and, and we were already working globally. And so the thing that Jeff really uh, came at it with was this uh, passion to be, to be able to be practitioners locally before you mobilize missionaries globally. Hmm. And so we began to really get invested in four fields. And one of the people that Jeff introduced me to 
and uh, and later our whole organization too was Nathan Shank. And probably that piece with the L1 through L5 uh, uh, diagram and explanation of movements really put significant explanation on how we could, you know, meet on the bones, so to speak, on how to get the movement, some of the key tactics along the way. Where do you use money? One of the things that was really important was Curtis came along and we had our normal training manual. And then we adapted our training manual that people said was fantastic. Many of the nationals who worked said this is the best training we've ever had anywhere in the world. And then we adapted it to movements, but our manual went from, say, 75 pages to 120 pages. And it was just too thick and, you know, too cumbersome. And so by the grace of God, I knew we needed to go there. We needed to adapt the four field strategy and something that was simpler. Uh, and uh, uh, the man who had come up with the manual uh, that uh, decided on his own, the author of it, said, you know what, we need to depart from that and uh, move toward, his name was Mike Jorgensen, uh, and move toward T for T. And so together uh, we were able to say, let's change to, you know, there's a, a book called Good to Great, uh, and, uh, in that book, it talks about often you have to go away with, go away from something that's good to get to something that's great. And you have to kill the good in order to go to the great, you have to simplify. And so in our offices at E3, we had all these language translations and the covers of every one of these things on the wall mm. of all this called first steps on the wall. And, uh, and we killed that program, if you will, to go to a more universal program, kind of something we could plug and play with, which was T for T and Four Fields, where there are a lot more people in the body of Christ that were going down that road. So I thought that was pretty exciting. You know, a lot of organizations have their own proprietary manuals, their own proprietary things that they uh, have authored and, and they can take pride in. And a lot of those things are very, very good, and God's used them greatly. And we had our own first steps, but we kind of said, you know what? Let's. Uh, this is something that's that's being supported. There's websites that are supporting it. There's more momentum going on with it. Let's go with this strategy and uh, work on it together with a, a much larger portion of the body of Christ. Well, it had uh, amazing impact on the field in terms of multiplying fruit. And we began to see more other other places multiply, and uh, and then we began to see things happening in the U.S. Uh, through the No Place Left uh, movement. And so we kind of became a silent partner in the No Place Left movement, uh, just trying to be a cheerleader behind the scenes to help fan the flame of what God was doing through No Place Left. And one of the things I loved about No Place Left and is there, you know, there's a uh, saying we have, uh, I'm on the board of, of the Global Association for Church Multiplication called GACX. And we say, leave your logos and your egos at the door and let's work on the kingdom together. Well, one of the things I saw in this next generation is they didn't care about logos. <laughs> you know? mm. In fact, they don't care about our organization at all. They care about seeing uh, God move the ball down the road. And uh the organization was almost a necessary evil to get there to a degree. And I was like, Hey guys, at least tell people out there that you're part of E3 sometime. Okay. Cause they were always saying they were with no place left. They weren't ever mm -hmm. hardly mentioning E3. 
And uh, but I learned a bunch from this next generation. And and I watched uh, uh, Jeff really build through iron on iron times where people get together and focus on iron sharpening iron, looking at their strategies, looking at the the good, the bad, and the ugly, and uh, and really trying to attack the strategy, not the person, and uh, building a community of church planters in the U.S. That we're helping each other through this No Place Left network, where there's all different organizations as a part of it, but really the people weren't, the organizations weren't involved, the individuals are involved because they wanted to see the, the, the vision happen. And then all of a sudden we started seeing baptisms happen all over the U.S. and, and house churches starting all over the U.S. and people getting to second and third generation all over the U.S., and uh, Jeff came to us and said, you know, I'd like to, to start sending missionaries overseas. Well, E3 had been only a short-term missions organization. We had no overseas personnel. We had a handful, but, but it wasn't a part of our strategy. So we shifted to being a short-term missions that does training overseas and, and equipping nationals overseas and, uh, uh, and training in church planning movements to being an organization that began to, to push missionaries over that had done it in the U.S. They were practitioners. And so they could go and be mentors and coaches. And what we found was that mentoring and coaching was so important to have that closer to the field. And uh, they could, instead of saying, you know, I read this in a book or Curtis Sargent told me this or Steve Smith told me about this in training, they could say, when I got stuck at second generation, here's what the Lord showed me to do. When I got stuck at third generation, here's what we did. And so we began to see these, uh, what we're calling the Great Commission pipeline develop, where we're training practitioners who are doing it here locally in these residencies throughout the U.S. And about 20 to 30 percent of those people are now being sent overseas with various organizations, including E3. Uh, that are that are practitioners that are getting it done, and that piece has really been significant. Uh, the uh, some of those folks were seconded to the International Mission Board, and their personnel told us that our people showed up, they hit the ground, they started getting in the harvest, and essentially all they did was do what they had been doing mm. all along. And they said, "These are the best personnel we've ever had. Can you send us more?" And so uh, that Great Commission pipeline in terms of sending missionaries who are doing four fields locally and then having them go overseas and do that globally was just a huge shift, too. And, and I think I was told by one of the E3 staff leaders that uh, we're now seeing close to 100 people in just two or three years that are now in our uh, pipeline of going to be on the field. So you go from an organization that has really four or five people overseas mm -hmm. to one that's now fielding almost a hundred or more internationally. And it's pretty exciting and not just anyone, but people who have done it locally proven that they have the abilities and the, the, the uh, methods and the heart and the Holy spirit and the anointing of God locally before we mobilize them globally. And it's mm -hmm. pretty exciting. Well, that's a whole transformation over, you know, I, I guess over a 20-year period. Yeah, 20-year period is when we're talking, yeah. So mm -hmm. a lot of perseverance uh, and trusting God and, 
and uh, believing God that what he's shown you is true and stepping out in faith. You know, I, I mentioned, uh, uh, I think at a certain point, I, I think it took us 29 years to plant 100,000 churches. And in one year, we saw 100,000 churches start. And so just that momentum was just phenomenal. And, uh, uh, and to see God continue to work phenom- you know, in this way. And the other thing I would say, too, is when, when God put on our hearts this bigger vision, uh, it's like people came out of the woodwork. You know, Jeff Sundell was one of them that said, hey, I want to be with an organization that has a God-sized vision. Mm-hmm. And we began to get God-sized uh, visionaries that were joining our team that we had, we didn't know anything about of when, when, you know, we put it in our hearts and we signed that document together as a leadership team to trust God for a million multiplying churches by the end of 2020. We didn't have anywhere near the number of amazing people uh, on the E3 team at that time. And so it, it was, you know, again, I, I hope you hear that God's fingerprints have been on this thing but we've been uh, persevering along the way and just kind of failing forward, if you will. Uh, and then God has just been blessing that effort. Well, um, how's the progress going towards a million churches by the end of 2020? Well, I think, Steve, I think there's a good chance that E3 might get there. Uh you know, some of the work in India has multiplied so much that we don't have verification of it. And so we're putting a, a project in place to do some research there, as I'm being told. And uh, I, I, I resigned my position two years ago with E3 and started working with finishing the task in the Issachar initiative to reach the last people groups on Earth. I still am an associate with E3. But I'm told by the leadership at E3 that they're going to do a research project. And, and particularly this, uh, a couple of movements or multiple movements that have spawned in India. And uh, the numbers are such that it could very well be that we might get to that million multiplying churches by the end of 2020. And so we'll see. Well, thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying the Movements podcast, don't forget to leave a review or spread the word through social media. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements podcast.